The Dead Pair Podcast is brought to you by the Elite Experience Elite Shotguns and is fueled by Fioki. Oh! Welcome to the Dead Pair Podcast, coming in hot with everything you want to hear about sporting clays. Guy Fieri. How are you, gentlemen? Thanks for having me. Anthony Matteris Jr., how you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. Welcome back, David Radulovic. That's a net positive. <laughs> Brad Kidd. Corey Cruz. Thank you for joining us this evening. Now I feel awkward. With your hosts, Jason Rambo. One more Red Bull for you. And Sean Alley. Woo, yeah! Christmas. Let's do it. Often imitated, but never duplicated. It's the Dead Pair Podcast. And now, it's showtime. Welcome back, Mr. Large and in charge. What's up, buddy? I don't know, man. You're pulling these fast ones on me. I can't keep up with it. Not, not. Listen, he's not an in-studio guest. He was just lost and needed a battery charger. (laughs) How you doing, David Radulovich? I'm I'm doing pretty good, I got to say. I think everything I record, I'm gonna have to steal that audio clip from you guys because I just I, I was like kind of a little tired, and then you just played that intro. Now I'm like hyped. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm gonna be able to drive through the night all the way to Arkansas. Well, thank yeah. you, thank you to Toby Tomplay and his beautiful wife for making that intro for us. We Absolutely. appreciate that. He's working on a new one for us, David. It's gonna be a little bit more intense. Wow, I don't know if I can handle that. You're I'm already like, too intense. You're gonna feel like jumping out of the car and shooting your gun. <laughs> God dang. Let's hope it's at Clay's. All right. So um, we plan on doing a year-end review, and Mm -hmm. it's kind of coincidental that David's here because I think we can dive into some topics that David and I have talked about on the phone. And I don't know, Dave. I think it would be good for kind of tying it into a year-end review, you know? Uh, You you and I were having a conversation about plateauing, Mm -hmm. and maybe that they can evaluate and analyze their performance from the year and dive into that if they're having a plateau problem like me. Yeah. And work on it this winter. So, yeah, but, a, uh, what better time to do that than now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we get started, Sean Alley, we got a couple sponsors we need to thank. Uh, Elite Shotguns uh, has been a huge part of this show this year, continuing into next year. And they've done a lot for us, and they do a lot for people that are looking for a new firearm. Absolutely. Place to go. If you need it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a $15,000 Kohler. They've got everything that will fit any budget for any shooter, new or old. And they really work hard to make sure that gun fits before you leave. They do. Hopefully everybody caught our video when we were down at Nationals, and and Brian Palmer explained the differences in the the Kohler stocks and how you fit them and the the, the palm swell versus the non-palm swell. I mean, the bottom line is you got to have a gun that fits you if it's going to shoot right. That's right. Uh, of course, Fioki USA, we love us some Fioki. We hope no matter what gun you shoot, no matter where you got it, you're feeding it with Fioki ammunition. Absolutely. Sean and I are, are diehard little rhino users, but we've been kind of experimenting with the white rhino, Sean Alley. I'm seeing some really impressive dusting, breaking smoke balls. We've been balls. told you for years, oh, you only need one ounce to break stuff. But you know what? An ounce and eight doesn't hurt. I mean, especially with the barrel porting from rhino. Rhino, absolutely. It does, you don't feel that recoil from that extra ounce and eight. And the only reason the extra ounce and eight looks good to us is because when us morons finally hit a target, it vaporizes it. So More pellets is not a bad thing. No, no. And thanks to the folks at rhino. Um and I love my boil reporting. I love my oh, jokes. Yeah. That new 12, oh my God, dude. The 12 is an awesome joke. That is a very versatile close range joke for sure. If I didn't have anything but that, I could shoot almost any course with that 12. Yeah. Well, you were around, David. You watched Corey Cruz wearing a world championship shooting Rhino 8s. Uh, like an 8,000 8,000 construction. In both barrels. Yeah. God dang. Yep. He had those made and he, he shot the whole entire world championship and won it with 8s. Huh. Wow. Rhino 8s, yeah. Um, Atlas traps, Sean. American made Atlas traps. If if we could just maybe we need to hit this guy beside me with the shovel and get him pointed in the right direction. Well, sometimes it takes a while for him to come around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, if we're talking about breaking targets, we're talking about seeing that target really clearly, seeing it faster, seeing it further. Re Ranger. Yeah, gotta love those React lenses. And then, of course, you're gonna protect your hearing, the gals from Odo Pro. Yep. Um. Excited to have Odo Pro and Atlas Traps and Ari Ranger come back with us next year. Of course, Fioki's coming back. Uh, Rhino Chokes, as I said. And then, of course, Vero Beach, Clay Shooting, home of the Dead Pair Blast. Yep. Uh, bigger and better things for next year. We're talking way bigger purse than what we had this year. Yeah. Exciting things. Don't want to let you all into too much just yet because it's not official, but they, they've already started. Uh, of course, if you're going to that tournament or any tournament, you're signing up on Score Chaser. Uh, 
this lovely Miss Casey Chase and the girls over at Score Chaser. Boston used some white flyer targets, Sean Alley. Yes. The product everybody loves to blow up. That's right, and they love to sell them to you as much as I, you want. I <laughs> yeah. saw the the uh, social media thing that you guys put up like a couple days ago, and I, it was genuinely hilarious to me. You you posted uh, up uh, one of the new things of that white flyer came out with with their uh, the new bio target. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you uh, whoever did it on the social eco, media, eco yeah, the eco target. You you guys said like the only company that makes stuff that wants you to blow it up mm. and <laughs> yeah. laugh so hard. Yes. How has no one ever said that before about about uh, like clay target manufacturers? That's yeah. hilarious. That's awesome. I mean, what a, I mean, <laughs> talk so about funny. job security. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they, they make them and we break them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And of course, oh. we cannot forget Bear Pelt. Uh, Bear Pelt has been with us for a little over two and a half years. Uh, really, really want to thank. All the folks, all the rodents over at Bear Pelt, we appreciate everything they've done for us. Uh, they've been huge. And, of course, Sean Alley, they've even got a vest that fits you. That's right. Makes you look good. Yep. That's well, saying something. Yeah, and they got one to fix, fit Haas Hewitt, too. That's that's even more impressive. Yeah, they, I mean, that guy makes me feel small. And that's, that's hard to do. <laughs> Love you, Haas. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, listen, let's dive into this. So, um Year in review, David, uh, we've talked about this in the past, and, and I think it's the time of year where people do need to sit down and analyze their performance for the year, you know, if they're tournament shooters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what do they need to what, – what went right, what went wrong for them? So, as a, as a coach, since you're here, I'm going to pick your brain. Yeah, please. Um, as a coach, when you have a student that does an, an analysis on themselves for the year, do you have them say, okay – Write down everything you that went right and everything that went wrong. I mean, how do you go about this with your students? Um, so the first thing that I would say is that, um, you know, I really believe in I, – I, I probably wouldn't recommend anybody doing an analysis at the end of the year because I would hope that they were doing an analysis much more frequently than that. Um, and Because the, the, the more that you are – assessing your the current state of your game uh the the better direction that you're going to have on how to keep it within the bumpers of what you're trying to you know be able to execute out on the course every single time and um so uh, you know if you're gonna if you're doing an analysis from tournament to tournament then that's way more beneficial than an analysis at the end of every year um but the if you're at the end of the year and you're going through and and trying to assess, okay, you know maybe I want to realign my goals and come up with a new schedule to help me accomplish them, and 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 relook at my financial situation to see how I can invest in, you know, whatever it is that I need to do to help me accomplish my goals or get closer towards that. Um, at this point in my answer to your question, I've already forgotten your question. Can you repeat it? <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is going to be one of those episodes, Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was just asking, you know, if at the end of the year your students do an analysis of their overall performance for the year. And I understand what you're saying about they should be analyzing as they go. Yeah. But if they want to do like a year-end recap, you know, do you have them right now? What went right? What went wrong? Where they feel they need to improve, areas they need to improve. Yeah. And um, this one of the things that I do with my students is – I, I really do. I, I'll ask that question uh, to them b- before I, I kind of like ask them to come pre-prepared to every lesson that I have with them uh, with just an answer to that question. You know, what is going, what is some of your strengths? What are some of your weaknesses in the current state of your game? And what would you like to work on right now? You can take that uh, thing that I do for the beginning of every lesson and you can, you know, basically try to answer that question with uh, through the perspective of the whole previous year going into the next year. And um, if you have a coach, I would really recommend that you do that with your coach, because if they're good at what they do, they will be able to actually go deeper than what your the answer to that question is that you provide them. Because literally the way that my students answer that question tells me what it is that they need to work on. So for example, um, if if I say, what are, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And they come back with me, uh, by telling me 
literally specific targets that are their strengths and specific targets that are their weaknesses, then I immediately know that that the filter for which they analyze their game is based off of just the different variability and types of targets. And the weakness in that would be that that's the only thing they're thinking of. Mm -hmm. So they need to kind of take a more well-rounded approach. So I want to introduce that to them. Um, if they come back with me and tell me that a huge weakness in their game is their consistency, then uh, and then I ask them why, and their answer is, well, you know, because every time I go to a, a, a tournament, you know, uh, I'll shoot every station where you know i'm i'm dropping one or two targets at the end of every station i need to i need to get i need to work on the consistency of my scores per station of a round and i know okay um you know a weakness is not necessarily that you don't have consistency a weakness is, is that you're not able to pinpoint what is causing that lack of consistency in your score so um yeah i mean i think that's a really good way to approach it but i would also recommend people you know take that analysis that they've come up with and that self awareness um you know going back and assessing everything that you're doing for the whole year and bring it to your coach and and get them to to analyze your own answers because i can even tell you um you know at a professional level we're always talking to each other to kind of get a different perspective if i if i only leave the assessment of my game to myself to try to interpret there's going to be a lot of things that I'm not seeing because of the fact that, you know, you said it earlier today, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, you almost come become oblivious to what you're doing. Yeah, you don't want to live in the vacuum of your own knowledge of the game because that does not allow you to improve in areas that you don't know you need to improve in or that you don't know even exist. Yeah. Well, David, you know, you mentioned something earlier, inconsistency, and I think that's probably true with, with a lot of shooters, especially those of us who aren't. <clears throat> at your level or shooting as regularly as you are. So when a, when a student comes to you and, and talks about having highs and lows throughout the year, are you looking for something that attributes to that? And I'm, and by that, I mean, is it like, okay, during this week uh, or during this month, you had a good month, everything was going well, you didn't have any family problems, you didn't have any extra stresses from work, so you shot well. But then two months later, your scores bottomed out. You were dropping 10 or 15 more targets than you normally do. And maybe it was because your mom was in the hospital or, or whatever. I mean, so there's so many things that can affect a shooter's performance at certain times of the year. I mean, is there anything that you focus in on or dial in on that you can try to help them overcome? Or is that just kind of a natural ebb and flow of the season? No, that's a, a really good question and a very fair question. Um, I jokingly tell my students that I, I don't really feel like I'm a shooting coach. I kind of feel like I'm a little bit of a therapist, uh, <laughs> because, <laughs> because I, yeah, I tend, the longer that I've been doing this, the more that I've realized that exactly what you said is really, really important. Um, once you get past the very beginning stage of, of, kind of injecting yourself into this game, which is just, you know, are you able to move the gun and keep it pointed at a target? You know, that's very, very basic. Once you get past that, that stage of the game and you start going into competitions, um, I would say the biggest mistake that every person makes is that they think that the only thing, the only realm of their life to which they should look towards to improve their performance on the course is the things that specifically happen while they're shooting. And I would say that that is about 10% of the makeup of their ability to perform. And so absolutely, um, you know, if, they're, if they have ebbs and flows, not in a very localized amount of time, so like that's, you know, I think it's a different thing if you're talking about like the consistency that I, that you experience in one tournament goes up and down versus if you say the consistency that I'm experiencing in my performances throughout the whole year uh, goes up and down. Those are two different scenarios. And if if you're looking at the year as a whole and you notice that sometimes there's really good performances, sometimes there's really poor performances, then um, 
absolutely what you want to do is look at how you're living your life and what's happening in your life and how you're experiencing those things and dealing with those things and managing those things and maintaining your level of discipline and focus and ability to be present when you're out there on the round because everybody does you know whether you're professional or not in the sport everybody deals with with the things that happen in life and those affect how you either approach the performance in your hobby or your job if they're the you know and they're the same thing depending on who you're talking about. Gotcha. So I, we probably should have started the episode with this. <laughs> okay, David. Now that you've given us two lengthy answers, answers <laughs> we had someone leave some comments on our YouTube, and I think this is absolutely hilarious uh, for David. <laughs> Excuse me. A great and extremely intelligent teacher can reduce things to, to simple terms that a student can understand. Have David read some of Richard Feynman's books. He helped develop the atomic bomb and taught physics. So, I mean, there is a shorter way to get to your answer, David. Uh, no, and, and I'm just teasing, but that was a comment that was left. Um, I think it's hilarious. Uh, and the guy has the utmost admiration for you. We yeah. probably got, honestly, I'd have to dig, we've probably got six or seven comments uh, about every time you've been on the show from this guy. And, uh, but I think he just wants you to shorten your answer. Well, the, the mistake that you guys have made was giving me these headphones because I like to hear my voice so much. I just got to keep talking. <laughs> That's where we went wrong, apparently. Okay. All right. It sounds so crystal clear. It's a very sultry sound. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so remind me, there's a, there's a question I want to ask you, but I'm going to save it for the end of the show. Actually, it's a challenge I have for you. Okay. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of off topic from the year-end review, but just real quick, a lot of coaches talk about how they can get you to the point where you're almost self-teaching. Mm -hmm. Is that – other than it not being a very poor business model mm -hmm. for a coach, yeah. <laughs> is that something that you eventually? I mean, like yourself. Let's take some like somebody like you or you know Wendell or somebody that's been in for. You guys don't go to a coach anymore. I mean, so do you eventually? Is that going to be the eventual outcome? Is that a person can be self-taught? Um, I don't think self-taught, but self-corrected. Yeah, say. yeah. Um, I would say that that is my eventual goal with um, not every student that I have is somebody whose goal set aligns with the um, timeline of them eventually getting to a point where it's beneficial for them to be able to self-correct because you really only are going to need to be able to do that if your goal is to be highly, highly competitive in this game, you know, somebody who doesn't want to take it seriously enough to try to be able to win HOA at tournaments, there's no need to, there's no, not that there's no need, there's no benefit to being able to self-correct because you're not, you're not competing in a, uh, a level of the game to where you're, the skill set required to be able to self-correct is is your lowest hanging fruit, so to speak. Um, but for every student that I have, and, th and that is not a criticism to anybody and uh, uh, to anybody's tallest order of goals. Like I personally believe it doesn't matter if you want to just be, you know, able to shoot better in your in your monthly hunters tour at your local club or if you come to me because you want to win a world championship it, the, everybody's goal is the correct goal for them as long as it's not influenced by anybody else um and so but with the students that i have that are like that'll come to me and say okay look i want you to teach me to be able to beat you that's my goal i understand what work is involved to be able to get to that level and i'm willing to and able to do that then those people eventually will need to get to a point where they can self they can identify issues and self correct but the thing about that is that i think i don't think i know way too many people put way too much pride in the in their ability to do that and they think that they can improve their shooting by being able to do that but in the reality of it is 
that the level of physical, visual, and emotional self-awareness required to be able to do that effectively is one in which it literally takes you a lifetime to develop, to be able to use as a filter for this game. And if you don't have that skill set, you cannot self-correct, uh, the filter of self-correcting your shooting by just being able to say, oh yeah, I was behind it, let me give it more. That's ineffective and not really useful at all. You need to be able to correct your ability to understand how the emotional state you're in was influencing the way you were perceiving your external environment and what that let your body movement do unintended and if you were aware of that or not and how like the level of minutiae and finite detail um, that you start talking about when that comes into play is like it's pretty high end which is why it really doesn't apply to most people in my opinion gotcha well, Sean, um, we I want to dive into some stuff, and I want to start with you. Okay. But before we do so, we got to take a real quick break. We have a turning talk we need to get to. It's turning talk. Brought to you by Score Chaser. All right, guys, just one announcement. The World Fee Task is open now on FeeTask.com as well as the side events on Score Chaser. Um, you guys get signed up for that. Everything is going to be... Uh, filling up fast, and that is June 24th through the 30th at Game Unlimited, and that is for 2024. Yeah, I tell you what, that just real quick on that, um, that fee, where you sign up for the fee task, that is not an easy process. It is not user-friendly to use that site. No. So it's going to take you a hot minute to get through it because you have to have a shooter's a fee task shooter's card to in order to sign up. So you got to build that, then go in and sign up for the – oh, my goodness. It's, yeah. it's not – Casey has nailed the easy button, let me tell you. Yeah, to sign up for a World Fee Task also helps if you speak French. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, David, uh, we're going to use Sean and I as your, uh, I don't know, guinea pigs, examples, whatever. But, Sean, let's, if you don't mind, uh, I'd like to talk about your shooting this year. Sure, sure. So, tell me what went right, what went wrong for you. Well, you know, looking back when we started talking about this show, I was kind of thinking about how things affected me this year. So, you know, leading up to last year, I got demoted or whatever, moved back from master class to double A. So I started this year off in double A. So that was one change in my shooting, which kind of, I don't know, realigned some of my thoughts and goals and what I wanted to get done. Um, fast forwarded, went to the Jax Links tournament. And then shortly after that, I made a gun change, went to from my DT-11 to the Kohler. So that made a change. But I also think that was a good thing because it made me go back to the basics, to the fundamentals, you know, remembering how to move the gun. And even though it was a different sight picture and all that stuff, um, I picked it up pretty quickly. So I wasn't right. too bad. And I actually punched right back up into Masters in August. So it's not like I was out for that long. But, you know, here I am again. And I'm just kind of winding down this year. I feel like I've kind of like you said, plateaued or maybe got a little stale here at the end. I don't know if it's burnout. I don't know if it's just the end of the year and I'm looking to hang the gun up for a while or what. But, you know, again, I'll be in master class next year. So I get to go and compete against all the big guys like so many of us do. Um, and again, I don't have the same drive in my mind. Like when I'm in master class, I know I'm going to go to the jack links and there's no chance in hell I'm going to do anything against the guys that are in master class. But when I was in Double A, I was approaching mo most tournaments like, okay, I can do something here. You know, mm -hmm. I can, I can, I can. I'm, I'm competitive. Well, welcome to the problem of shooting in the NSCA. Yeah, no, I, I get it, and that's what everybody has to deal with once they get to this level. Um, but you know, it's it's overall, it's been pretty good. I wish I would have been able to find more time to go out and practice. Unfortunately, business kept me very busy. The podcast has kept me very busy. Uh, me and Jason have been burning up the roads. We went to a lot of events in 2023. Uh, and we're getting ready to, to do more. So, I mean, you know, I can't keep using that as an excuse, but until I find some time to be able to set aside and really, uh, now I will say this, Chad Roberts helped me for that two hour lesson I took with him when he was in town for the Ohio State shoot. That helped me tremendously. And I would say under no circumstance, that basically helped me a lot with going to the North Central Regional after that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that was a big part of the, the how I, I, I saw you again. So let's back up in 2022, right before the Ohio state, you took a, a little lesson with Chad and you just like, I saw like stars in your eyes, like the switch went off, the light bulb went off. Oh, that it, kind of it thing. helps. It absolutely and helps. You, you went up this, this mountain 
And then Chad wasn't around for about eight months, and you started back down the mountain again. Yep. And then you took a lesson with Chad and right back up the mountain again. But no, yep. um, it's I, I saw it. But you, you and you know, and this is the same thing with me. I mean, I can make every excuse in the world. You know, you've dealt a lot with you know health issues with your wife, and your business has been stupid, crazy busy. Yep. Um, so there's a lot of outside excuses. And I have the same excuses, uh, you know, maybe a little bit different. You know, well, didn't deal with wife's health issues, but family issues. And, you know, my, my family's a thousand miles away from me. From yeah, moving to Florida. I mean, that's a big life change right yeah. there. Um, but the bottom line is, more often than not, the gun was not in the right position when it went off. Yeah. Period. I mean, I had a terrible year as far as performance goes. I mean, yeah, I'm only four punches away from master, but that's that's not a positive. Because those those punches didn't come from wins. If they came from wins, I'd count that as a positive. No, I got lucky that the other people did so poorly. I mean, period. There was no. <laughs> That's one was, way to look at it. There I guess. was no. I can tell you're a very positive mindset. Yeah, person. well, glass half full. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not good. People just suck. <laughs> right. It's their fault that they're not better. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky they sucked more than I did that day. Um, no, but it's. Honestly, though, it's been a rough year for me as far as shooting goes. I, you know, it's funny. I stand in my driveway, and, and Chad's got these two new training programs for its preparation for tournaments, and they're phenomenal training programs. And actually, it's the only thing I've ever done outside of a tournament that will build tournament pressure. Mm. And it works really well. And then I show up with stars in my eyes, and I get done with station two, and I go, well, it's time to go home. So, I mean, it's, it's that bad, David. I mean, you can ask Sean – and, and here we go again with the plateaus. Sean, how many cages across four courses of Maine, the K-Cup and the Beretta, and you weren't there for FETAS, but how many cages did I step into and go dead pair, dead pair, dead loss, lost dead? A good majority of them. Right, majority. Yeah. Now, if that is, I mean, dude, when somebody steps in the cage and smokes the first two pairs every single station and then drops the last ones, it's it's a problem. And it's listen, Don if the, if <laughs> Don Grant could just retire from me paying what it needs to be done to fix me, okay? Kind of like what my, uh, my what my psychiatrist told We're going to get into that. Don't <laughs> don't drop that bomb just yet. We're going to I haven't even told Sean about that. This is freaking hilarious, but we're going to get into that here in a minute. But no, the, as far as my analyst analyst analyzing, boy, I don't run a podcast I talk so well. Um <laughs> as far as my, as far as myself analyst, it's pretty vague, pretty pretty bad. Yeah. So um, nothing positive. I mean, there's a few gains I can take from it here and there, but it, a lot of work to do. Let's put it that way. My, and that's just my personal feeling. Yeah. You know, well, and, and you know, not to interrupt you, Jason, but also you gotta, you gotta remember, I mean, the local tournaments that we shoot here in Ohio, um, that's one level of pressure. Mm-hmm. And most of us, most, most people that know us as the podcast guys, it is what it is. Right. But we go to these bigger events. We go to the nationals. We go to a regional. We go to you know, Jack Links or something like that. There's the added pressure of that going on at the shoot. So I'm not just a shooter there to shoot. Yeah. I'm I'm Sean Alley, part of the podcast of the Dead Pair with Jason, and he does the same thing. I mean, there's a lot of stuff pulling us a lot of different ways. At times, I wonder if we could be better shooters if we didn't have so many distractions with everything that we're doing. But it is what it is, right? Yeah. So that's well, the way I, I look mean, at it because I do way better at local tournaments. And obviously, the competition level is not the same at these big shoots, but I also feel more comfortable. I feel more relaxed. And then when I get to these bigger shoots, there's just so much going on and so oh, much yeah. happening. It's hard to keep your head straight. Well, yeah. at the local shoots, your responsibilities are nowhere near what they are. That's probably the best summary yeah. that you could put yeah, on it's, that. It's, the, it's, the, that's, the, uh, the responsibilities aren't there. Let's... Figure out the time at which that was said, because that should go in history as the time was. The, I remember one time there was another time, but it was the second time now that I've ever been able to summarize something that either two of you said. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, well, like it, as far as distractions go, you know, that's another thing too. So you take the nationals. There was one, two, three, four, five, six different videos made at nationals with sponsors. Yeah. Okay. Well. 
if you don't have that much time throughout the day in between rounds or whatever else, now you take that up with going and making videos. Mm-hmm. And we enjoy doing it. Don't get me wrong. That wasn't the problem. We enjoyed doing it. Plus, we filmed the Top Gun shootout. Plus, we filmed the entire Sunday Super Squad Live. Right. Be it it was amateur filming, but we did it. Yeah. You know, and it took time. Yeah. And then, then you get everybody. And we love this is people come up and they want to say hi. Mm-hmm. You know, that's awesome. You know, I feel like. I'm David Radulovich for a second. Well, I'm not that ugly, but I feel like I'm important for a second. <laughs> you know, um, but uh, <laughs> but but no, it, it's it's constant distraction. It's yeah. shoot, and and that was by the way. I don't know if you heard it or not, but I really did commend you. Your level of focus mm. through the nationals was incredible. I mean, Sean saw it. He was like, "What's wrong with David?" I'm like. He's on a mission, dude. Yeah. I mean, like, you could see it. I mean, it, that that was incredible to me because you're like us. You like to crack up and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh-uh, this guy's there to do work. Well, I, yeah. I even told you at the end of the shoot, I'm like, holy cow, man, you can shoot. <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> tell, tell everybody that story real quick. Yeah. You died laughing. I've never seen you laugh so hard. <laughs> well, where were we when you said that? We were you you just wrapped up the super squad. That's right. right. And we were taking you back That's to right. your car in our buggy. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It, and, you had, and you had watched some of uh, my, my round and uh, you know we were just you know you know the round was over for me so I was like slowly you know oozing out of that hyper focus mode that I was in and we were kind of yucking it up and then whatever we were talking about I'm not sure but then you you made the comment and you're like it was really cool to watch you shoot David because I hadn't really ever seen you shoot like that before and um, and so I, I don't know I was like you know well, what do you mean and you're like well you know you were you were really focused and serious, and I just thought, like, wow, okay, this guy really can shoot. <laughs> and, and the way that you said that was so, like, stream of consciousness that I could t- – you were almost, like, afraid that I was going to take that wrong. But that was – Yeah, the light bulb went off after I said yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, maybe well, I shouldn't so, have said so that. everybody understands the I basis. almost cried laughing. Yeah. <laughs> the, the basis for Sean saying that was the last time he shot with you – was it the night shoot two years ago? Yeah. And you're like upside down over your head with one leg sitting up on the bench, yeah. and, you know, being a clown. Yeah. And so he's never really seen you take it serious. Right. And he right. got to watch it. He got to witness it firsthand. Uh, and, and you know, I've seen you on the YouTube videos and stuff yeah. like that. But it, it was just nice to see you in present, in the moment, mm-hmm. actually focused on doing what you do. Well, so. that kind of really ties into what you guys just said um, about about you know doing a little self-analysis of your year and um jason i don't know what uh i I would have to ask you because i didn't have the conversation with sean but would it would it somewhat align with the direction of this episode if i kind of summarize that conversation that we had on the phone about talking absolutely yeah okay i mean because the whole thing about the plateau and well i i not to cut you off but what i mean is remember how you, I had basically, to, you and I were talking about your shooting and uh, and how I talked about dealing with going to a tournament and everything that Sean just said about, you know, having to go, the difference between nationals and the responsibilities versus yeah. things like that. So, uh, so it's okay to go into that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so, um, you know, uh, Jason had called me. I don't know, maybe like two weeks ago, three weeks ago or something, we were talking about and he, that. And he, let's pack up. He actually answered the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting better at that, actually. He's <laughs> getting better. Got it. Got it. The, um, uh, and, and a little bit was to talk about what you guys just said about my shooting, like observing how focused and serious I was for the whole round. And um, your comment, Sean, to me about being able to observe me, you know, actually shooting, but but really being serious for a tournament is actually more on point than maybe you realize because um, doing an analysis of my own shooting recently, the biggest problem that I have had is that I can't, um, I, I really struggle with being serious when I shoot because of the way that my daily schedule is. Um, it's so busy that I don't ever get a chance to stop. And it's just nonstop uh, answering emails, trying to answer every phone call or text message, teaching all day, doing video calls, driving through the night. I mean, when I was with you, uh, Jason and um, and Chad, you know, I mean, I had the the morning that we did the clinic, that youth clinic. I had I was 
finished teaching up in Rochester, New York at 7 o'clock p.m. the previous day, drove there and was teaching in Louisville at 8 o'clock in the morning the next day, had to drive through the night, then, you know, uh, teach two days in Louisville and then drive back up to New York to start at 9 a.m. after we were done at 6 p.m. there. And that's like what my schedule is, and it's horrible. So, and in those drives, I'm answering emails and doing video calls since I have a car that drives itself, so I'm not doing anything bad. (laughs) Uh, I don't want to get in trouble. But um, what was happening to me was that um, I am a very serious person, and but even when I was home, I never really got a chance to feel like I could decompress and pause everything until I was at a tournament. And when I would get to a tournament, because it was the, a time that I knew that I'm not expected to answer phone calls and do video calls and teach and uh, whatever it is when I'm in competition, whether I wanted to do this or not, my brain would stop. It would shut off. And it wouldn't allow me to focus because of how much I was focusing. And what would happen was it didn't matter how much I wanted to perform well, how much I wanted to take the round seriously, how much I would be upset if I shot poorly. Uh, I went into goof off mode at a tournament because I needed that to stay sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, and so an, analyzing that and assessing it all, I really, really was starting to get frustrated with the fact that that was happening to me because it was affecting my shooting. And like it, it shouldn't be the case that if I miss or shoot poorly, it doesn't bother me. I shouldn't get mad uh, and throw a fit, but I should be in the state in which I am mad and don't show it. Because that if I'm not experiencing that, then that means I don't care. And um, so I decided to, for all of 2023, work on that with my own schedule and my own approach to the game mentally. And months before the Nationals, I started taking steps to avoid any of that type of thing happening and avoid the fact that you get what you guys are um, talking about, which is that if you are a personality in this sport, um, you have a lot of responsibilities at big shoots. Oh, absolutely. And the problem is um, that... It's a, it's a distraction. It's a huge distraction. Um, and But the problem is this. The people that listen to your podcast or are my students or just participate in the game that really, really, really are passionate about this game, they always go all in on the game. So they start a podcast or they decide to make it their full life uh, career or they start a vest company or they decide to end up starting a gun club, whatever it is, Um, you end up investing yourself in the game and more than why you got into it and in a in a facet in which it was not the specific um you know reason the specific thing that got you involved in the game which is that at its core you just like shooting sporting clays and because you're so passionate about it you get so all in on it that you end up accidentally getting to a place where you're so busy and you have all these responsibilities and you have all these people that you have to talk to uh, to maintain, you know, sponsorship relationships or to maintain communication with your audience or whatever it is that the reason why the, the thing that fueled the passion that you had to start the business that you have or to get involved in the way that you are gets put on the back burner. But you were passionate about it to start with, and you're still passionate about it now. And so you tend to not notice the disconnect between why, uh, what things were like for you to participate in the tournament when you first started and what they're like now. And Light years. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that happens is your expectation for your ability to perform 
is still aligned with what shooting was like for you Mm -hmm. before you got involved in the way that you are now. That is very well said. Yeah. And so, and this is not just a thing that happens with people like you guys or people like me, but literally so many people, because it doesn't, you don't have to be somebody that started a podcast or teaches for a living or whatever. I mean, if you're volunteering for, to teach the youth team at your local club, I'm talking about you. You know, if whatever, if you're, if you decided to get on the board for your state association, I'm talking about you. I'm literally talking about any person here that's listening to this podcast that does more in shooting than just go to the shoot and shoot. That is a massive amount of people that go to these tournaments and all these people will go to these tournaments and they don't understand like, you know, I don't get why I'm, I didn't perform well or whatever it is. And they think it's just these distractions. But what it really is, is that you, you're, you've segmented your attention and you've segmented the amount of time and effort that you have to be able to put into this thing as a whole. Yeah. But you still have the same level of expectation that you did when all 100% of your attention and effort could be put into one thing. That, that's very well said. Yeah. So in regards to that, real quick, I'm going to jump in here. Yeah. It means more to me to be successful in this podcast to where we're helping people yeah than my own personal shooting does yeah that being said you talk about jumping in with both feet mm-hmm. not only did sean and i start this podcast i quit a career yeah i know making way north of six figures yeah to start a job in this industry that's when the shovel hit me in the head <laughs> um and i saw Rainier Claybots. i'm an atlas dealer and you know i i build clubs and you know my towers and all this other stuff right so i got all these moving parts within the business it's Mm -hmm. not just one thing oh yeah i'm not just selling traps yep i'm doing all this stuff within Mm -hmm. the business now add to it i'm vice president of the high sporting clays association yeah i'm a delegate for the nsca Mm -hmm. you know and now i move my family across the country and i get to see them once a month yep that i'm going to tell you something right now I throw it all away yeah. for my family. Yeah. Okay. Period. So that makes it rough. Now we're going to show up in a tournament and try and do something. Yeah. And think that you can perform well. Yeah. yeah. So in re- in lo- in the line <clears throat> with what you're saying. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I have it tougher than anybody else. I don't. I don't mean that by any means. Somebody well, always do got it because worse, of your but... cognitive ability, probably. My what? Exactly. <laughs> no, <I'm> just <laughs> you know. Your processing power is low, Jason. No, I'm kidding. Why did I invite this guy? <laughs> Sean's just shaking his head like, oh, God. Hey, he was on time. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to give him that today. I, I'm Listen, he texted me at 10 minutes till 4 and said, the GPS says 4.15. And I sent him back a meme sure. that was like, sure, right. Yeah. So, uh, but no, no it's it, it, in regards to what you were saying, it is tough. And I'm not saying I got it tougher than anybody else. I don't mean that. There's people that's got it way tougher to try and go out and perform. It's just, it's very very difficult well i mean we've all got our distractions right i mean that's that's kind of where we were going with this i mean again my level of distraction is a little bit different than yours david Mm -hmm. and jason's is a little bit different than yours but at the same time yeah i mean and again that's what i was saying like at local tournaments i didn't put really any pressure on myself i was going there to enjoy the tournament yeah knowing that i didn't have to do any interviews knowing Mm -hmm. that i didn't have to meet or greet anybody or shake anybody's hand. So yeah, that makes sense. My head was clearer. Yep. I had a, more of a focused path of what I was doing that day. Mm-hmm. Whereas, yes, I can see it. I mean, obviously going to the Jack Links, going to the Nationals, going to a regional or whatever. I mean, it's not, I'm not just there to shoot. I've got to talk mm-hmm. to this person, talk to that person, interview this person, make a pitch on this guy, yep. whatever, you know? So yeah. So, so my focus is fragmented. Yeah. yeah. What I was telling Jason on the phone was, that you know because the way he was looking at it he, he was like you know yeah but it, you know it's it's not as bad as you what it's like for you david because of what all, what you do in the industry and what and what i made the point of saying was like actually just the facet of what your guys life is which is the podcast that the hardest part for me to deal with at a tournament is managing the the relationships and the sponsorships and stuff that are part of my business it's the teaching aspect of my business at a tournament is not hard to manage because my students know not to bother me. Right. Um, and I don't need to check in with them during that time. And so really the thing that is the hardest 
part of the hardest subset of my business is the 100% of the thing that you guys have to deal with. And it's, and, uh, when you're at a tournament and you, and so it is very hard to manage, but let me explain why, how that comes through in your round. Like you talked about at nationals, every stand you'd go to, and it was dead pair, dead pair, lost, dead, lost pair or something. It's because of, it really is because of has nothing to do with your ability to, you know, uh, have less or more responsibilities or or whatever it is. It literally has to do with your the amount of total discipline and effort and focus that you have to be able to utilize in a single day. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that you know um, you said that you. This is why it ties into what you were saying because you guys both said that you uh, saw me in a way that you had never seen me in a tournament before in terms of my ability to focus throughout a round. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys were able to see me shoot a whole round there, but I don't think there was one second during any round that I shot where I was not like my face was sore by the end of every round because of how you, focused you I had was. a different expression on your face. You carried yeah. yourself differently. I mean, it was not the David I was used to. Yeah. So the, you know, observing that, the reason why I was able to do that, and, the, and so check this out, just a measurable, uh, like a metric from that round, uh, my, the amount of time that it took me to shoot the main event on Sunday, I have this whoop band and it measures all these, da- all these data points. In uh, two and a half hours, I burned, uh, I think, a 1,700 calories. Wow. And that's a lot of mental focus in doing nothing but shooting. It's not a physical sport. I wasn't working out. No, you know, and so if but the reason why I was able to do that and not able to do that any other tournament was because weeks and months ahead of time, I communicated to my sponsors and was like, hey, this is the time that I will be there. Don't expect me to be there anytime before or after. And and uh, and I. And I made plans for dinner for people every night. I, I literally scheduled my whole week so that I was able to maintain the amount of energy that I need to put into my shooting so that I could allow myself to have the expectation that I want in terms of my performance. So, and if you're going to, you know, like if you have to manage all of these different things uh, when you're at a tournament, regardless of what you're doing, when you get to the actual round, which is the first time really that you get to be by yourself in your head and you don't have to worry about interpersonal communication or put, you know, uh, making sure somebody's experience with you is good or whatever it is. And you can just go into your own zone if you haven't paid attention to yourself yet which being the type of people that you guys are, you're going to care about how someone's interaction is with you and you're good. And if you're tired, you're not going to let them know that if you, you know, if you don't want to talk to them because you feel sick and you got a headache, you're trying to get back to the room, but someone comes up to you, your car, you're going to talk to them for 30 minutes. Absolutely. So you're going to learn not to pay attention to the way that you feel interceptively. You're not going to pay, you're not going to feel that you're exhausted or tired or out of energy. When you get to the round, now you will, and you won't be able to put in the level of discipline and focus and intent, uh, you know, I mean, deliberate choices of reading birds and focusing pair after pair after pair. And so you'll do it for the first pair, maybe do it for the second, and it literally will start to bleed every station. And it has nothing to do with your physical ability. It has more to do it doesn't have anything to do with your physical ability or your mental ability. It has everything to do with the ge- size of the gas tank and how fast you're burning the gas. Yeah. And I think that's a good assessment. I mean, because it happens to everybody. I mean, obviously, all three of us may be on the extreme side of things when we go to bigger tournaments with right. our responsibilities and our level of distraction. But it's no different than the average Joe or average Jill that goes to a tournament and let's say they just got done with a 60-hour work week and they're, you know, they got pressures from their boss to meet some kind of a deadline. Or the kids have a, a an acrobat performance later on that day, so you can't be late leaving the tournament. So, I mean, all these things come into play mm-hmm. where you got to get the yard mode or something before it rains yeah. or when you get home. So, I mean, all these things come into play. And we, we've seen it from all, all oh, of our friends. I mean, you get distracted and then you don't, you know, if you don't do what you need to do to tune that out while you're at the tournament, then why are you at the tournament? Yes. Yeah. And that's what I've had to ask several times myself. It's and like, if I'm not here have to have fun and enjoy myself, then why am I doing this? And yeah. that's where I kind of get a tip of the hat to you because you absolutely compartmentalized your whole entire week. 
Yeah. And, you know, you buy planning everything. And Sean and I tried so hard to do that. And we were already talking about next year, like what we're going to do different at the Nationals. Because we want to do a little bit better job on everything we did. Yeah. Not a little bit, a lot better. I mean, we were literally sun up to sundown. Yeah. yeah. Every and, day at the Nationals. And it was yeah. crazy. I mean, you know, and it's like, okay, how can we compartmentalize mm-hmm. and plan this a little better? And it was like, you know, that way we could focus a little bit on Because we want to – look, we love shooting too. That's why we're doing this, right? And – you know, you get so many people that it's like, you know, can you do this interview and that interview? And it's like, okay, we got one or two choices here. You know, we can either hang up the guns and just work about this podcast full time, or we can continue doing what we're doing, but figure out how to do both at the same time. And it's and it's hard. It, it is. It's, and, and because here's the deal is I would rather Dutch a pair or give up a station to talk to somebody that wants to talk to us than worry about my own performance but at the same time i still have a personal a a very personal you know side of me that wants to be i want to perform you know i mean i put a lot into this i mean sean can tell you the training that chad's had me doing and stuff leading up to nationals i mean i was hammering targets all Mm -hmm. week long dude and it was like wow i actually feel prepared going to this and the very first it was like you got to be kidding me what am i doing yeah. I mean, did I forget how to shoot a gun? Yeah. You know, but it started before I ever got to the feet. I started shooting feet task at 8 a.m. on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. It started before I ever got to the first peg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Weeks. You know, and it was like, it. when is this going to stop? Mm-hmm. You know? Well, and I think that, you know, one thing I think back on two years ago when Joe Finese won the Jack Links, he wasn't around when he wasn't shooting. Well, he disappeared. No. Exactly. And when you think about that, he had to, I mean, he probably knew there was going to be distractions and he made a conscious effort to remove himself from those distractions to be able to stay focused enough. And he, he did end up winning it. Yep. And case in point, that's why Wendell would not, you'd never see him at dinners. Nope. He would disappear. Yep. And he would go get a hotel room out of the way where nobody else would be there at that mm-hmm. hotel. So when he, and you know, he said about, he said this on a podcast, he's mm-hmm. like, I'd go down to smoke and I'd make sure I was somewhere that somebody's not going to run into me and want to talk. And I guess you know? if you're at that super top end level of competition, I don't think that's unreasonable to try to maybe live your life that way while you're at a tournament. But obviously for most of us, we do this as a recreational sport and for fun as a hobby. So when we go to the nationals, yeah, we want to meet with everybody. We want to have a couple of drinks with everybody. We want to go out to dinner with a few people, that kind of thing. So it's really not that realistic to be able to, to, you know, take ourselves out of the equation that far. But I think, yeah. Me and you both can probably do a better job in, I, I would like in to, giving giving and taking as we need it. I would like know? to clean up the way that we go about handling everything for the podcast while we're at these big events, mm-hmm. whether it be interviews or videos or whatever, and still pay homage to our sponsors because that's very important to Sean and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sean and I take that very, very seriously. Absolutely. You know, our sponsors have invested in us and, and they want to support our show because they they believe in what we're doing and it's very important to us that we give them a return on their investment. Yeah. Even no matter how small the investment may be, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's still very important to us. We want to make sure they're getting back. You know, look, if somebody gives me this free can of Celsius here, I want to make sure that I'm giving back to them. They're getting 10 times what they've invested into us Mm -hmm. at minimum at a bare minimum. You know, and that's so that's important to us. Yeah, and the same and then, thing goes for our fans too, because you know people come up to us all the time, want to introduce themselves and talk about why they're shooting or they're shooting because of our podcast absolutely or, or whatever. So we want to take that time again, no matter how tired we are or how worn out we are, right, or whatever. We are going to find time to talk with them because obviously, without the listeners, we wouldn't have the audience. Without the audience, you know, what's the point? Yeah. So, and this is where it gets very hard because. I may come out of the box, and I'm so mad at myself, I can't see straight. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not, not mad at anybody else but myself. Mm-hmm. Not mad at the trapper. Not mad at somebody on the squad. I'm not mad at somebody that was around. I'm mad because I know better than to do the mistakes I just made. Right? Yes. And I come out, and I'm ticked off. I just threw my shells because I'm an idiot. And... Somebody's like, "Hey, you're Jason Rambo." And it's like, "Oh no, yeah, wrong timing," you know. But I, but it's important to us, and I don't consider our listeners fans. I, I don't mean anything ill will by that, Sean. But we're not superstars. 
we're just like everybody else that's out there. It's just we have some microphones. And that's the way I always look at it. But I do want to help people. I do want to, I do, I want to talk to people. What do you like about our show? What do you not like about our show? Yeah. What, you got an idea for a guest or something we haven't talked about? I want to help people. That's why we started. We did not start this for monetary reasons. No, and, and not, not so only it's, that. It's, it's hard to compartmentalize. Yeah, not only that, but you don't build, you don't. It's not possible for you guys to be the personalities that you are on this podcast if you're not the person who in genuinely wants to have those interactions with people. You know, yeah. if you really didn't care about your audience or your sponsors, then you wouldn't be doing this. Right. Yeah. And um, and so and I'm the same way. Um, and that's actually where the problem lies if you're going it's not a problem to in terms of who you are it's actually a fantastic personality trait to have unless you're trying to judge and and criticize your uh, your performance in a round um because like i know me personally being critical of myself i lack the discipline to resist the opportunity for an interaction like that when I need to be focused on winning. I don't have the discipline to, to in the middle of a round, not be fun and jovial and laugh and joke with people, um, you know, that come up to me and talk to me. I don't, I can't do it. I literally had to plan and pre this is going to sound crazy, but it's hundred percent true before the national championship even started. I literally planned and practiced how I would interact with people that I knew or I could tell wanted to talk to me if I was there. And normally, what I do is uh, if I'm on a golf cart or if I'm walking from station to station or whatever or down vendor row and someone sees me and they wave or they look, I will wave and nod my head up and smile and say, hey. And every time, that is, that is a very nonverbal way to invite them to come talk to me. Because I want to, I, I'm not consciously thinking about doing that. No. This is how I interact. And so I had to think about like, what's a way that could allow them to make the choice that, oh, I should not go talk to David. Because I know I don't have the discipline to say, I can't talk to you right now. So I literally changed it to where I had to very consciously, every time I saw someone or heard someone yell my name, I wouldn't say, hey, I wouldn't say anything. I would not smile. I would nod my head down and have a little wave and I would keep walking. And literally, just by planning that little thing, that's how much I cared about my performance in that round, in that week. I literally planned how I would have interactions with people. I mean, that's insane. You yeah. Know? Well, okay, listen, this is, I feel like we're just getting started here. Yeah. Um, but the truth is we're running long. So to summarize, we've talked about a little bit about doing some analysis at the end of the year. Um, you know, I know you want your students to do it as, as they go, but for those of us that are, uh, procrastinators <laughs> or, or, or we just would like to summarize the year yeah we've talked about that we've talked about the distractions or problems let's get back in here the next episode i want to talk about we we never really dive dove into the plateau okay which is a very big topic um and i, I want to keep going on this sean uh let's see if we can rope david into another episode part two yeah um sean alley every week we tell somebody take some money shooting Get them out there with a gun in their hand. Show them how to break their clays. And I'm going to say this right now. My friend J.D., our friend J.D., yes. took his daughter out last weekend for the, for the first time. Really? And she broke three clays out of 70. But those smiles, he said, were worth yeah. every bit oh, of it. Oh, that is so Posted awesome. Posted those videos on Facebook. I need to show that with you because you can just see the smile is a mile oh, wide on her how face. How old is she? She's uh, I think the same age as Jess. She's 11. 11 or 12. Yeah. Oh, how 11. cool. Yeah. That is so awesome. Yep. So I want to get my daughter. So, and so again, bad. so he was doing exactly what I said. Yeah. Get somebody out there. And you know, he said, man, we were out there forever and she was having a hard time, but finally she broke a couple targets. And when she did, oh, wow. You know what so I mean? Hard. Just completely lit it up. So a so, uh, little, little challenge for us, Sean. Yep. Okay. Going to, this is in regards to that. Take someone new shooting, take them to a tournament next year. You and I challenge one person a month. We're going to introduce one new person per month. To either tournaments or shooting, okay? 
I mean, look, you got your business group. You no, 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 no. I'm, I'm saying that because I've already gotten so many people involved with this, and they're already mad at me for how much money they spend, <laughs> how much time they <laughs> take out of their day. So it's like, you you want me to bring more of that upon uh, myself? I feel okay. guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real quick on that, the coolest email we ever got. The guy wrote us this email cussing us for how much money he spent. He said his wife has deleted his podcast app three times off his phone. That <laughs> was the oh, coolest email ever, dude. Yeah, but he's like, I am hook, line, and sinker. I have bought guns and glasses and ammos and vests. And oh. he's like, daggone, you got well, He didn't use that language, but he was like, yeah. That's hel- you know. that that's an email. I that's hilarious. Yeah. I warn everybody, it's a slippery slope. Oh, but yeah. you know what though? I want to challenge our listeners to the same thing. Yeah. I it, it, look, if you love this sport as much as we do, and I guarantee, if you're listening to this podcast, you love it that much. So I'm challenging everybody: one shooter a month throughout 2024, or one new person per month. Take them shooting, or take them to a tournament. Yeah. And I think that this is a good challenge to have for everybody. Um. Take him, take him to a tournament. Take him shooting. Yeah. Sean Alley, we're going to catch right back up with David next week. And until next week, let's see if David can blow this. What? He already blew it. <laughs> all right, Sean, take the reins. It's all you, buddy. Until next week, we'll see you all back here on the Dead Pair Podcast. Oh. We'll see you next time on the Dead Pair Podcast. The Dead Pair Dead Pair Podcast is brought to you by Elite Shotguns and Vero Beach Clay Shooting and is fueled by Fioki USA. The Dead Pair theme song was written, arranged, and produced by Toby Tomplay. Special thanks to the following sponsors. Bear Pelt, Rhino, Odo Pro, Dawn Grant, Atlas Trap Company, RE Ranger, and White Flyer Targets. 